Christchurch, who's been in Escape now since Christmas 2008. And one of the great things that I really love about Christmas, Christmas at Escape is that we have our Christmas Eve service. We arrive in darkness and we leave in darkness. There's something incredibly powerful about that. And I think one of the themes in our songs, in our readings perhaps, that has come over as we've been journeying through to this text that we're going to look at, written 750 years before Jesus from the prophet Isaiah, is that one of the things about Christmas is darkness. And I don't just mean light darkness. I mean experienced darkness. And if we grasp that, if we take a hold of that this year, there is nothing greater than the message of Christmas. And that's what I really want for us to share today. To take us back to 2008, it seems a strange place to be. In China, in 2008, there was the Sichuan earthquake. A minimum of 70,000 people lost their lives, including 5,000 children who were lost in collapsed school buildings. The artist Ai Weiwei between 2008 and 2012, took 90 tons of concrete rebar from those shattered schools. The rebar is the metal that's supposed to hold a concrete structure sturdy and safe, but it obviously didn't. And he took the rebar and with a team, by hand, they straightened the rebar. And then he formed a sculpture. It was this kind of two-dimensional wave. It waved up and down, away from you and towards you, and it waved up and down height-wise. 90 tons of straight rebar. When you stood at the end of the rebar sculpture, you realized that it was a representation of a Richter scale, an earthquake. Above it were the 5,000 names of the children who had been lost, at least those that they knew. And he did it because he was speaking powerfully to the corruption of the construction companies and the local governments who had never built schools anywhere near the way they should have been built. Anywhere near the way they should have been built. And in that sculpture, when I, when I read about it, do you know what it screamed to me? about the Christmas story in two ways. One, because of the title of the sculpture. He called it straight. I think because he was straightening the rebar. But straight speaks 
absolutely to the story of Christmas. Because the prophet Isaiah in chapter 40, he says this, A voice of one calling, In the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. That's what Isaiah was speaking about 750 years before John the Baptist made straight. What does it mean to make straight? It means to to set the record straight. To set it as it should be. That's what John the Baptist was doing. He was setting the record straight. He was was preparing the foundation, the way of thinking that led to the birth of Jesus. That's what Ai Weiwei was doing when he created his sculpture. He was saying, we've got to set the record straight. We've got to say it as it really is. Speak truth to power. Say the truth and prepare us for something better. And you know when we think about that, when we look at that as the foundation, as the place in which the Christmas story exists, I think it is an absolute tragedy in a way that we've turned the Christmas story into some sort of cutesy, smaltzy kind of feel-good something. And yet, in another way, doesn't that speak about the darkness as well? What is our Christmas? What, what do we love about it? I think we love the moments where we're able just for a short time to get away from the burden, to hopefully see a little bit of light, to have a breather, to see, to see each other, to spend a time away from the grind, if you like. But you know, I think our Christmas, as we have it now, it's more, it's more like, it's more like a vaccination that wears off. It's there for a while. It gives us that little bit of protection from the dark, but it doesn't last. And we all know that what January will bring is the same again. So here's the question. Can Isaiah speak a better hope than that? Can Christmas in 2022 for each one of us, whether we're here, whether we're joining online, or whether we're catching up later, can Christmas speak a better hope for us Today, I believe it can. Let's have a look at one of the things that we see. In our reading in verse 2, Isaiah starts in darkness. But he doesn't stay in darkness. What do we see in verse 2? He says, the people walking in darkness. People are walking in darkness. 
They're the people who Isaiah is speaking to. The nation has been taken captive. It seems as though their hope of being worshippers of Jehovah Yahweh have been shattered. Their land has been taken. It looks like the whole mission of hope that the God that they worshipped has fallen apart. And yet Isaiah speaks into that in the darkness that they are in. And he says, the people who are walking in darkness have what? Seen a great light. They've seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. We can't, we can't see light unless it's dark. Have you ever thought about that? We can't see light unless it's dark. If you take a match in the middle of a sunny day and you strike that match and hold it up, you will not see the light from the match. Yeah, you'll see the chemical reaction of the burning of the whatever it is now. It's, don't think it's phosphorus anymore in the wood or whatever it is. But you won't see the light. You won't feel the effect of the light. But if you strike a match in the pitch blackness of a cave, you will see the light. You see, we can't even see the light until we comprehend the darkness. We've got to see the darkness first. Here's a question. Do you ever feel a little bit like Ai Weiwei? Do you ever feel as if we are in this world walking almost in a const, on a constant treadmill of seeming darkness? We can't make sense of the world. We see corruption in power. We see injustice and we feel helpless. At every turn we see horror. And we can do absolutely nothing about it, we feel. The great news is that the Christmas message speaks about those experiences, those very thoughts. The Christmas message starts way back in Isaiah, in darkness. But I don't know whether you've ever thought that the whole of the Christmas story that we celebrate every year, all of the key kind of stepping stones of the Christmas story, they take place in darkness. Have you noticed that? Every time God speaks in the Christmas story, it is in darkness. The shepherds, where are they? On a hillside at night, in the dark. And as they are presumably huddled around maybe a small fire, trying to stay warm, exploding around them is light. And God speaks through His spokes people. 
And there is rejoicing and there is celebration in darkness. We know about the shepherds. We've seen the nativity story. We know that that is part of the Christmas story. And it's in darkness. What's the other major idea in the Christmas story that we all know so well? The wise man who traveled from the east. Where does God speak to them? In the darkness. That's where he speaks. He speaks to them with a star that appears in the darkness. I don't know. I don't know how that worked for them during the day. I don't know whether it meant that they, they kind of took a bearing during the night time and they set themselves in a particular direction. Or whether maybe they even traveled in the night. I don't know. But what I do know is that the way the Bible decides to speak and therefore the way God decides to speak to the wise men is only in darkness. Come the daylight and the voice of God in the star has disappeared. Why? (laughs) Why? Because God wants to take us back to these verses in Isaiah chapter 9 and He wants us to hear and to see in the darkness I'm going to bring light. And then ultimately, how does God speak in the Christmas story? A baby is born in the darkness. Those two other things, the angels that the shepherds see, the star in the sky, they both look like incredible and obvious sources of light. But a baby born in a stable and laid in a feeding trough doesn't look like light. But he is. He's the greatest light. He is the way in which God ultimately and completely and finally speaks to humanity and says this is the light. Look at verse 6 and 7 of our reading. What kind of light is that? And why is it good for us today? Because for us, a child is born. I, I love this. If, if, you've, if you've never had much experience of the Bible... Just ponder this. This was written 750 years before Jesus. It's why Christmas makes sense. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government, the rule, the authority is going to be on his shoulders. Ultimately, injustice, Corruption, wickedness, persecution, horrific government activity across the world, across all time, will all be subservient 
to the government of Jesus. It will all ultimately sit under that. What kind of government is the government of Jesus? Well, it goes on to say the government of Jesus is going to be like this. It's going to be shaped by a wonderful counsellor. Counselling is a great term, isn't it? And then we think about the local council and everybody thinks, oh man, I don't want to think about the local council. I only want to think about the councillors who sit next to me. But you know, that is just the kind of councillor that God is. He is a wonderful counsellor. What does a counsellor do? Sits alongside and brings ideal thought into the situation that exists and brings guidance That's what a great council does. That's why councils are called councils. Because they bring great wisdom and guidance. And you know what? Can I just tell you this? In the experience of countless people throughout history, a personal relationship with Jesus is the greatest, wonderful counsellor that anyone can ever experience because he sits alongside you and he brings beautiful wisdom and guidance into your life and that is why Christmas is about light because the wonderful counsellor in Jesus has come It's the mighty God, the everlasting Father. And the other one that I want to think about at this particular point in our history is the Prince of Peace. What we read in Isaiah when we looked at the way in which the situation was turned around We saw the garments and artifacts of war have now become the source of fuel for the fire. You don't need your artifacts of war anymore because the Prince of Peace has come. If the world needs to know anything, It needs to know that ultimately the conflicts that cause us, I think, not to lose faith in God, but to lose faith in humanity, are all going to sit under the Prince of Peace. We will see a world that is resolved. We will see a government of eternal peace and justice and goodness. And in the darkness of the experience of our lives, Christmas is the greatest hope that anyone could see. The tyranny of humanity will be reversed. And here's the amazing, just, I think it's, it's breathtaking genius 
of the story of salvation in the Bible, the tyranny of humanity is reversed in humanity. How? How is the tyranny of humanity reversed in humanity? We read it in Luke chapter 2. This will be the sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. There's the humanity that reverses the tyranny of humanity. A tiny little baby. Our prayer as we close is that in our darkness God will speak light into all our hearts and that the true, deep, eternal peace and hope of Christmas will triumph in each of our experiences.